Hallelujah. Uh, before we ex excuse ourselves to different classes and stuff, the youth Friday night is the Amazing Race Youth Edition. Um, so that's happening this Friday night. If you've got questions, see Cleo and Will. And Will will probably say, Cleo, where are you? But just, just see one of them. And uh, the, if you haven't filled out uh, a form for driving or uh, authorizing, please do that. We, we have, I don't know if you saw this, but we have a, a, a form of a bulletin that we uh, wrote out. Ladies' Bible study starts in October. October the 4th is session number one. There's a book called Embracing Joy from Philippians. And that's at the back. There's a, a sample of it. If you could register at the back, if you've got any questions, Olivia would be available. And then I want to bring your attention to a couple things. Um, September 25th, we have Pastor Luis and his wife, Adriana, Pastor Luis and Adriana, and a few of their family from Ottawa coming here, and they're going to minister. And he's, he's actually from Brazil. And I was able to meet him. Uh, I met him a few years ago, but I was able to spend a day with him this uh, July or late June when I went over to Oshawa and Ottawa. And I just love this brother. He came, he, he was ministering and pastoring a church in Brazil of over a thousand people, if I understood it right. I understood it would be about 1,200 people. And he had a dream and a vision from God that showed him some, a revival was going to be happening in Canada. And he left his church that he pastored and said, I'm moving to Canada with my wife and kids and nobody else because I want to be a part of what God's going to do in Canada. And, he and it's like, whoa. He left everything he knew and they have church in their house. They have church in a conference center. They, it's, um, and I just, I told him, I, I just need to get around him. Every once in a while, you find people that you go, I just, I just need to be around this person to pick up because sometimes things are caught more than they're taught. So he's coming, him and his wife, and, uh, he learned English. He didn't know English great. He says, no, I'm coming to Canada. I'm going to learn English. And like, just, I just love the brother. And uh, he's got uh, three kids that are going to come. They're, they're in their late teens, early 20s. They're going to be with us. And then on October 2nd, the following Sunday, we have a gentleman named Brian Walrand, um, who I've gotten to know over the last number of years. And uh, him and his wife, Diana Lee, and they're in Abbotsford, and uh, he does uh, a lot of things called spoken word. And, and the first time I heard him, he, he had a prophetic word that sounded like a rap. And it was like, whoa. But it was good. It wasn't just like, hey, it, you know, it was. And, and I said, I want to get to know him. So I've gotten to know him the last number of years. And he moves in prophetic ministry. And uh, we've got him coming in October the 2nd. Um, so it's going to be great. Children, you are excused. Actually, before the kids leave, um, I just want to, we don't have everyone here today, but um, can we, I don't know how we'll do this. It might be everybody, but I want to pray over the kids. They started school. So kids, if you can come forward, even if you're homeschooling 
or if you're before school. And, and you know what? This might sound odd, but why don't we all just come up, okay? Everybody can come up, and we can just lay hands on the kids. We're just going to do it right down here. I love how you guys like to be on the stage. That's pretty cool. But, hey, just everybody, just come on up. We're family. Amen. Why don't we, don't be afraid the kids don't bite. Well, maybe some of them do. But <laughs> just just come up and let's, kids, can you put your hands out so somebody can touch your hand and just, just pray for you? Amen. Just Just put out your hand so somebody can reach and pray over you. Lord, I just pray a special blessing over these children today. Lord, I ask, oh God, as they've started their school year, that you would be with them, that you would touch them, that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray that they would learn with a greater learning, that they would actually learn ahead of their classmates, that they would have brilliance. Lord, I pray that you would just touch them. Lord, and even as they go this morning to Sunday school too, that you would just be with them. Lord, that they would be a light in their classrooms and that we would be parents and loved ones who honor them, respect them, and lift them up in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right, so you are excused for Sunday school, children's church. Brad, would you be able to, there's a chair just inside the, yeah, just inside there, yeah, in the gym. Just around to your left. Awesome. Awesome. You almost fell over. <laughs> Amen. I want to talk this morning about this is a house of blessing. This is a house of blessing. We've spent a lot of time talking about the house of his presence, the house of God. And, and actually, what's interesting, as I've spent time in it, this is week number 41. We've been, when I looked at my notes, we've been talking about this is a house for literally a year. Usually a sermon series goes five or six weeks and then you have to flip the page, but I've, I've felt very strongly that this is a time where we define and we explain, not just myself, but we all take time to examine what does it mean to come to church? What does it mean to be a believer? What does it look like? And one of the things is quite often we define things based on our own. But what I have found that as I've studied it, it's actually who God is. So when, when I'm talking, I've, I've just enjoyed this because as I, I had ideas of where I was going to go, and some of these things we will certainly talk about, but as I've been taking time to talk about this as a house, I've been so overwhelmed in my mind and in my spirit, but this is God's house. This is God's house. 
it's not my house. It's not my imagination. It's not my creation, my concoction. This is God's house. This is where God dwells. This is where God dwells. This is a place where needs can be met. I say can. It's not dependent on God. It's dependent on us reaching out and accepting. This is a place where there is unlimited love. This is a place where he rules and he reigns. And as we've taken the time to look at this subject, I've just fallen in love with how good God is. He's a good God. He is a good God. He's not out to beat us up. Any, anybody, um, have you ever played that game where that little thing pops his head up, the hedgehog or whatever, and you hit it, whack-a-mole? And sometimes I think we translate that into our spiritual world where God has this big stick, and every time my head pops up, he goes, whack, just to keep us down. And we have this picture of God as a cosmic killjoy. That's not what God is. He's actually more interested in your blessing, in your good, in your health, in your well-being than you are. He is more committed to it than you are. The first words that we have in the word of God as he addresses mankind is it says that God blessed them in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth and, and rule it. And, and he gave them a blessing. God's desire for you is to bless you. I've grown up in the church, and if I talk about this subject, quite often we have, as soon as I say God wants to bless you, we have six reasons why that shouldn't happen. Well, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I had a bad idea last week. You know, I even used a word I shouldn't have used. You know, I sped. You know, this. You know, I don't. And, and, and it's funny, and, and I say that generically, but it is amazing how often we disqualify God's goodness based on our interpretation or our feelings. God is a good God. He is a God who loves me. He's a God who loves you. So I, I wrote down a few things. Um, if you turn in your Bibles, I want to read a passage. I've got a number of verses, but I'd like to start by reading a verse that I have added into at the end of every sermon that I preach. I want to share this verse, and it's from number six, and it's a benediction that God told Aaron and Moses, he says, when, when Aaron speaks to the people at the end of the service, at the end of the time of the congregation, I want him to say this. And, and this is something I am wanting to say every Sunday 
because I want us to be drilled into us that the God I serve is a God who wants to bless me. He's not out to beat me up. He loves me. He cares about my family. He cares about my kids. He cares about my thinking and, and, and the struggle. He cares about my work environment. He cares about those things that wake me up at night. He's a, he doesn't just say, here, David, I created you, now leave. and take." He, he is committed. He's more committed to me than I am. Come on. Anybody here ever like, oh, I can't handle this? And God says, I'm here. And he tells Moses and Aaron, he says, when you speak to the sons of Israel, he says, this is what I want you to say. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And I say that every Sunday, and I, I don't ever want it to be watered down. That is, this, this passage is a sermon in itself. But then I want to see a verse after that where he says, you shall, when you say this, so they shall, talking about the priest or the minister, invoke my name on the sons of Israel and I will bless them. God is committed to blessing you and I. He is not committed to beating us up as a cosmic killjoy and every time we think, oh, I'm having a good day, poop. He didn't create Murphy's Laws when anything that can go wrong can go wrong. He's not that God. And I want to go against some of the prevailing thinking that we have that I'm not good enough, I don't deserve it, that I'm in a mess of a relationship, this or that. And, and I want to go against that and just say, God wants to bless you where you are right now. The, the, the idea of blessing is that it started in Genesis 1, but then you actually see it in Genesis 5, and I found this interesting. Genesis 5, verse 1, it says that God created male and female, it says, and then he blessed man with a capital M, talking about mankind, male and female. He blessed them. In Genesis 9, verse 1, when he talks to Noah after the flood, Noah's in the ark and he gets out of the ark and it says, and God blessed Noah. God blessed him. God blessed Abram. In Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, there's a threefold blessing in the address that God speaks to Abram. He says, he says, I want you to leave where you are, and I want to go you to go somewhere where you don't even know where you're going, but I'm going to be with you. In Genesis 24, he blesses Abraham again. He changes his name. In Genesis 26, God blesses Isaac. 
I mean, this is, this is the manner of how God wants to interact with us. He's not a God that says, oh, you can't have. He's a God that says, I want to bless you. He's a God who's prepared to take a risk on you. Think of it that way. Would you take a risk on yourself? I appreciate the honesty. If I really thought about, you know, I, I told some people after Winona's passing, I didn't have a lot of motivation. I didn't have a lot of enthusiasm. Didn't have a lot of inspiration. And, and I envisioned myself sitting in a boardroom having a job interview where the guy goes, do you show up on time? No. Do you want to carry the company's banner? No. Are you prepared to do everything that the boss tells you? No. You know, and it's all these X's. And, and, and I, if I was conducting that interview, I'd only have to ask that question two or three times to realize this is not a good candidate. You know, what's your, are you excited when you wake up in the morning? No. Are you, and, and, and it was like X, 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 X. And, and I was, I've talked to a few people and I said, it was like, if I was sitting across the table from that individual, I'd go, thanks, we'll be in touch. Not really, but thanks for your time. Next. And I'm going on these walks with God and I'm talking to him. <laughs> I'm probably complaining to him, if I was to be honest with you. And he knows how excited I am to be doing things, or not excited. And as I'm talking to him, he goes, and I just say, God, I got nothing. And he goes to me, but I love you. And it was like, how can you love me when I bring nothing to the table. And he goes, it's not what you bring to the table. It's you. And that has wrecked me and that's affected me because he loves me. He cares for me. He actually blesses me even when I don't qualify or do those things that now it doesn't mean you stay there. It doesn't mean I stay in that place. But what I have found with God is he meets me and he is committed to me when I haven't even necessarily been committed to myself. He's so good. And this is a house of his blessing. This is a house when people walk through the doors that they will get blessed, not because of you and me, but because of God. And not only is this a house, but this is a house. And this house is a blessed house. And, and, and we see that throughout Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob. God blessed Jacob. Jacob has a dream, or not a dream. He's actually wrestling with God in the night. I believe it was the, the, the night before he was to see his brother Esau. And he's struggling, and then he's wrestling with God. And he, and in this wrestling, God touches his hip and dislocates his hip. And Abram, uh, J- Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I mean, even in that stress and even in that space, the value of God's blessing, the importance, the merit of his blessing. God is a God who is committed to blessing his kids. He's committed to it. In Deuteronomy 28, there's a chapter of blessings and cursings. And the blessing is, if you obey and you do my word, here's any, any, and the blessings are not just peace of mind and mental state. They're, I'm going to increase you. You're going to have, your vineyards are going to have great fruit. Your barns are going to be filled. You're going to have an increase in your livestock. And, and he gives material blessings. God isn't just someone who wants to bless you mentally he also wants to bless you materially. And the blessing of God materially is not a sign of how good a person you are. The blessing of God materially is a sign of how good God is. Sometimes we think, oh, because I've done this, I qualify for this. No, because Christ died on the cross, you qualify. Someone who is blessed materially is not because they are a good believer. Someone who's blessed material is because he's a good father. Because I have seen amazing believers who have struggled financially, and I have seen people that aren't really good believers who have been blessed financially. It's not a matter, it's, it's not a measure of your spiritual life. The blessing of God is the blessing of God. Yes, there's things we do that align with that, and yes, there's things that we do in obedience, but the blessing of God is a description or a revelation of the goodness of God. If we base it on our performance, we'd be fired. If I based it on my performance, I would have been let go I don't even know if I would have gotten severance pay. Come on. We can laugh. God is good. He's good. He blesses us. That is his posture. That's, that's, that's how he kind of walks into the room. If I could paint a picture, and I know it's not even... It's even better than the way I can paint it. But it's almost like he walks in the room looking as to who he can bless. He doesn't walk into a room going, who's going to get to school? He's walking into a room going, I want to bless you. 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 God is a good 
father. He's committed to blessing you and me. I've got a few, a few thoughts here. He makes a way where there is no way. He, prayers, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. Do you see the activity of God in this? As I, as I go through this, just think about how God is involved in these statements. Nothing can separate me from his love. If God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He goes before me. It says man may make their plans, but God directs their steps. Do you see the activity of God? He's a good father. We live in a world that goes, I'm going to direct my steps, and then I'm going to fall flat in my face. Somebody's going to get in the way. And do No, our God is a good guy. He says, you make your plans, and I'm going to direct your steps. And sometimes those are opposite. <laughs> and sometimes they're very closely connected. He makes a river in the desert. It says he gives us beauty for ashes. I found that interesting. He doesn't give you beauty for what you had before. He gives you beauty for what is destroyed in ashes and there's no resemblance there. And he gives you beauty for something that is completely a mess. I'd like to, you to say this out loud. God wants to bless me. Did anybody struggle saying that? Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on you, but our, our, our mind plays this funny game. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He comes to us. He walks through the door going, I want to bless these people. It says if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Do you know when the children of Israel went into the promised land, do you know what? They didn't even sow seeds the first year. They ate from the bounty of what was there already. There's a law of sowing and reaping in the Bible, but there's also, I, there's also this phenomenal law where God gets involved and it says you're going to eat and you're going to reap where you haven't even sowed. The blessing of God is not a, an equal, well, you've done this, this. No, the blessing of God is like, whew. and we're down here. This is radical because I've, I've grown up in church and I know there's others here have grown up in church and quite often the conversation of God's blessing has so many caveats to it. By the time we're finished, we don't expect anything from God. I'm here to tell you, God is a God who wants to bless you. This is a house of blessing. 
This is a house where his posture is, one of the postures of blessing is a father with his hands open laid them on the head of his child. In other words, the father isn't like this holding back. The father is, everything I have flows through me to you. The picture of the prodigal son. You want to see how the father blesses? He gave that child everything that the child wanted, the inheritance. The child went and wasted it all and ended up living in a pig pen, literally. Comes to his senses and says, man, if only I could be in my father's house. He goes back to his father's house. Now, we just read it, but if we took time to think about, first of all, can you imagine what mind games that prodigal son had to deal with? I've got a brother. I've wasted everything. But maybe by chance I can go back home and he'll just let me be at home. He'll let me sleep in a tent. He'll let me, but just to be on his property is better than being here. He goes, and the father, where's, what is the father posture in this passage? He goes out looking. He goes to, and he looks for his son. He doesn't, he stands there and he's looking out. And one day he stands there, looks out, and he sees his son coming back. The blessing of the father, you know what he does? He gives him a robe. He kills the fatted calf. He has a celebration. That's, that's a picture of an amazing father. Because if I could be honest with you, I'd probably be like the child that stayed home and said, but look at me. Look at what I did. But even the response that the father has to the son that stays home, you know what he says? He says, everything I have is yours. God's blessing is amazing. It's incomparable. He's such a good father. What... What I'm asking God to do is to give us a mind and a, an ability to, to get past the noise, to get past the rubbish, to get past all the what-ifs and buts, and to go, he's a good father. And his attitude towards me is to bless me. Because sometimes we put the cart before the horse. It says, I love because he loved me first. I didn't even know how to love, but when he loved me, he showed me how to love. And sometimes what we do in Christendom is we put all the works and all the doing ahead of how he loves us and how he blesses us. It doesn't mean that God says, I don't want you to do things, but we don't do them to get. We do them because of who he is. Because of his blessing, because he's a good father, I love to be around him and I love to bless him and I love to do things for him. My natural father loves me regardless. He loves me. And I don't do things to get his acceptance. I am accepted by my father, but I do things because I love my father. 
And sometimes we switch that around and the enemy has caused a distorted thinking, not just in us, but in this whole world, a distorted thinking saying, I have to do in order to be accepted. No, you are accepted. And because of my acceptance, because he's accepted me, I will love to do. I am constrained to serve him because of his love towards me. He's a good father. He's blessed us. He doesn't cause me to stumble. It says in Proverbs, his blessing makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. I'll take that any day. He's near to the brokenhearted. That's a blessing. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives the oil of joy for mourning. He sets me free. He, come, he has come to give me life and to give that more abundantly. Oversatisfied. There's no one greater he's, than him. He is able to do abundantly above and beyond what I ask and what I can even think. We read these verses and we quite often disqualify them immediately. But can you imagine what a church and what a people would be like if we took God's word and we said, you know what, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly what I ask or think. I'm not going to use that to abuse, but that's the condition, that's the posture, that's the place my father wants to interact with me. When he comes, or not when he comes, when I come to him, he's already wanting to bless me. You see, when I come to him, I've made a mistake. Yes, but you know what? His love covers you, and his love has redeemed you, and he's purchased you, and he looks at you, and he says, there's value, and I want to bless them. This passage, Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord, Lord, lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And they shall invoke my name, which actually means they will put my name. And when it says his name, it is tantamount, which I had to look up that definition because that was a big word, more than five letters, Tantamount means it is the same as who he, it's not just, it's not just his name. That's God. It carries the same equivalence. So when it says he will invoke his name, it's also saying that's putting God. It's not just wearing a badge. That is God. So when we say this is a house of blessing, I want to invoke God's name. Now, when you take this passage and you say that's in the Old Testament, yes, it is. When you take it through into the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled these things, and actually Jesus filled this, and we are blessed because of Jesus. So this passage, when you take it through the cross, 
Jesus fulfilled all the, the law and the prophets and, he, and all the prophetic words. He fulfilled them. And so when we read this passage now, the Lord bless you, you can actually say, I am blessed because of Jesus. I am blessed and protected because of Jesus. His face literally shines on me. He's gracious to me, which means I don't get what I deserve. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve, and grace is when we get what we don't deserve. He's gracious. Jesus is gracious. Because of Jesus, we have, we, are gracious, we have a grace. It says, and then it says, and he lift up his countenance, and that means to show favor. In the Old Testament, when the king lifted up their countenance, what, what, what that translated to was there was an acceptance, there was a favor, there was an ability to be in front of that individual. You weren't dismissed you lifted up his count and it and and this is what happened because of jesus god looks at us not like this but he looks at us with his countenance lifted up and give you peace wholeness wellness prosperity fullness not just for your mind but for your body and for your spirit it is a complete work so when i read this passage to you and when one of the pastors reads this passage and says this over you i don't want this just to be empty words what i what i am envisioning is we are we are growing up into a people that we understand the blessing of god in us and on us and it's not to be arrogant. Because I realize I can't do it. It is to be completely humble before God and say, because of God, I'm blessed. Because of God, I have a relationship with him of favor, of peace, of goodness, of kindness. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. This is a house of blessing. And God wants to bless me. That sounds weird. Because it almost sounds like I'm grabbing all the money off the table. You know, like a little child at a birthday party. just ugh. And it's not meant to be greedy. It's not meant to be selfish. What it is is just an... an that we understand who we are in Christ. And I'm not saying we run around saying, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm not saying that. But having the understanding of he's not out to get me. He's not out to punish me. Now there are consequences to my behavior. But his attitude towards me, his face towards me, is to bless me, to be with me, and to be gracious to me. And that is the starting point. If I could have you think for one minute, if that's the starting point, is it possible 
that some of the thoughts, actions, behavior, even thinking that you and I have could actually change if I applied the truth that he wants to bless me. And if you say, yeah, there's a possibility that that would change my thinking or how I respond to things, then I say, amen. So be it. And I want to invoke his name on you. Amen? Look at somebody and say, God wants to bless you. And then say, God wants to bless me. Amen. Can you stand for a second? Now, I'm, I, I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to read this verse, but I'm going to ask you if you're open to it. Um, and this might sound weird and crazy and like kooky but one of the aspects of blessing is a transference a physical laying on of hands and there's not too many of us so it won't take forever but I want to pray this blessing and if you would like you are welcome to come up after I pray this blessing and I will lay my hand on you and it's not because of me Please, it's not because of me. But I am an agent. I am a child. I am a servant. I'm a priest of God. And I'm going to ask him for an impartation to you. And I'm just going to say, God bless you. I'm not going to pray for 10 minutes. But if you would like that even to be further enforced in you and on you, I want to do something a little different. I'm not satisfied without getting everything I can from God. And I'm prepared to do something different. I'm prepared for somebody to say he's weird. For you to have a greater impact of God in your life. So I'm going to read this passage over you. And then if you would like to have me touch you, lay my hand on you. I mean, that sounds weird, touch. We haven't been doing that for a couple of years. But I want to release a blessing, and I want to seal his word on you. Okay? So if you're prepared to do the weird and the kooky with me, we're going to go for it. Just open your hands up to receive. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. And if you want to start from this side.